You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture and all things related to it. New episodes are released daily. For more information, check out glossahouse.com and subscribe to our channels on Spotify and YouTube. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcom. I'm here with Fred Long, and today we're talking about Galatians. Fred, you ready to jump into it? I am. I'm ready. I was born ready. No, actually, I've had a lot. I had to take a lot of classes to get this ready for Greek. Um, Dozens of Greek courses and I've been teaching for 30 years. But, you know, I love it. And I love dialoguing with you about these things. Um, It's fun. I mean, isn't this the first dedicated podcast through the original language of any biblical text? Yeah, as far as I know, nobody... Nobody's yeah. doing anything even remotely close to what we're doing with Greek yeah. and Hebrew. Um, yeah. yeah, so we have a good, small, you know, we have a good, decent following, loyal following, and we're grateful mm-hmm. for those folks who want to dig into Scripture with us. Um, we hope the podcast keeps growing, but yeah, I think it's pretty unique. Uh, yeah. Yeah, someone just texted me or messaged me the other day and was saying, um something to the effect of they were they were very thankful for how we front the biblical languages on the podcast that mm-hmm. they didn't know of another another podcast that uh that does that thing. Yes, they said I really like how the original languages are put front and center on many of the proof text podcast episodes. The way you and Dr. Long treat them um are not merely some scholarly exercise distinct from pastoral ministry but directly mm-hmm. in the vein of earnest Christian Christianity and ministry. I don't know yeah. of many other online resources that combine the two in such a fashion. Wow. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's uh, great to hear. So, Appreciate that. Encouragement. Yeah. 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 Well, um, well, yeah, let's jump in. I guess we're going to do uh, Galatians <laughs> 7 and 8. Uh, 8 is kind of a long yeah. one, but we're going to see it's not so long in a certain sense um yeah nice literary structures there uh yeah i'm ready to jump right in all right well here's six seven i'll read it in greek if you're watching you can also see it on the screen as well as hear me read it so uh six seven says me planaste teos u muterizete ogarean spire anthropos tuto ke therisi so that's Galatians 6, 7. All right. Ascendaton. So I'm looking for conjunctions right away. Ascendaton means there's no connector, which um, can indicate a break. It could also indicate a parallelism, like if you're within a, a, a rhetorical flourish. But I, we're not really, we're not, I don't see that parallelism. In fact, we, we, we're switching from third singular imperatives you know, let someone share in common to now Ooh. second person. And so plural. So you have a sendaton, you have a shift from third singular to second plural. So I think you have a, a section break right here. Now, it doesn't mean that it's unrelated to it. It just means that it, it's, it's a bit of a break. Um, and we should respect that. Probably a new paragraph. Um, so this is this is how I translate that. Don't be being uh, deceived. So don't be deceived. Ooh. 
God is not mocked, or God is not treated with contempt. For whatever a person sows, this also he or she will reap. Yeah. So may with planas there, that's uh that's an that's a, called a prohibition, but not a not an aorist subjunctive prohibition. So may if if you have a negative command or a prohibition, there is a construction may with the aorist subjunctive. That's not mm -hmm. used here. We have may with the present imperative. So this um to me is is um profiling or construing the verbal aspect of the present tense imperative, which is imperfective. And so this is suggesting like ongoing. So this is an ongoing need to not be deceived. Um, mm. This is an attitude that we need to carry with, with us. Uh, and, and the content of that is, is God is not, to be uh, treated with contempt. Uh, now, this verb mukterizo uh, is kind of interesting. Mukter is a nostril, so yeah. he's. Uh, it means to is. It's a causative stem, the idzo. So it's the turning up one's nose or nostrils to the mm. Lord, and a contempt. To look down is really to kind of look down on somebody with contempt. God is not to be treated that way. Um, what does he mean? In what way is God not uh, to be treated with contempt? Well, that's what we see in verse, the second part of verse 7, 7b. Uh, we have a gar, which is supporting. And then we have an o, o gar, o is what? What and then we see uh, an aeon, which is a conditional particle working with the subjunctive mood. So ogar aeon spire um, sows. So whatever sows, and then we have the subject anthropos. So whatever a person sows, that's the protasis. Whatever someone sows, this tutoke. This also uh, therisi. He will reap. So um, a nice conditional sentence. Um, it's it's called a future more vivid construction. Aeon with the subjunctive followed by a future indicative. Um, I might have liked it to be a present general truth, but um, which would have been a present tense. It may have that kind of implication. But yeah, stating it in the future tense, whatever you sow, you will reap that. Uh, so yeah. pre I, I think I think the time frame in the condition is important because you don't reap it immediately as you're doing that thing. You're you're reaping it in a in a future time frame. So if you you know whatever you do, you're going to eventually reap that. So yeah. Um, well, th this there's a little chiastic arrangement there. So go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, so have in the verb, previous episodes, I... Subject, object, verb. So you have verb, subject, and then object, verb. So we're going to see this pattern, A, B, B, A. We're going to see that particularly repeated twice in verse 8. I'm sorry. 
No, in the the previous couple episodes, I've been arguing that six one to six is like a financial context. I don't know if seven and eight are part of that <clears throat> same financial context. It may be that the Ascendaton does issue a clear break, but this could be read, and it often is read by the prosperity people from like a financial perspective. But I do want to talk about this idea of a man reaps, you know, a person reaps what he sows. And, you know, I think that that's kind of a fascinating idea. And I've often heard like this, this sort of like blended in with the idea of karma, right? Um, sure. Where people, p- people tend to think that karma is like, you know, you getting the consequence for what you did. Um, but actually, I think the idea of karma is quite a bit different than that. And we, uh, my understanding, maybe I'm wrong in Hinduism, is you do have this concept of sowing and reaping. Like if I sow good in this life, then I will reap good. But that good is actually reaped not in this life. It's it's reaped in um in my rebirth and then the rebirth after that and then the rebirth after that right there's uh mm. there's the old saying as a calf will find its mother among a thousand cows so your deed will find you out among a thousand rebirths um and so karma is this idea that in hinduism that i i do good now and then in the next life I'll reap the good for it. And then in the next life, I'll reap the good for it and so on and so forth. Uh, But I think in Christianity, I mean, Jesus talks about, you know, uh, sowing and reaping and harvesting as well. So I think there is this kind of like law of sowing and reaping going on, but it's different. It's not karmic. Um, I think in Christianity, uh, the idea is, no, you actually do reap the consequences of of what you do and say now now right and there's another part of this and e stanley jones talks about this um he says but that's only a half truth right you alone don't reap what you sow right you got to think about this way other people also reap what you sow for good or evil and you reap what other people sow for good or ill. And he mm-hmm. gives this example where he says, like, a good father doesn't alone reap the good fruit of his good life and actions. Others reap it too, his family, his friends, community, and generally the world. A bad father, on the other hand, doesn't alone reap the harvest, the bad harvest of his life and his actions. Others reap it too, his family, his friends, his community, and the world. Right? Um, so... Yeah, I think there's a difference. I don't think this is karma, but I think there is a underlying kind of like rule or law of like sowing and reaping going on in Hinduism as well as Christianity, but they're different. Um, yeah, I, don't know. I think that's um, kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, that's helpful, Michael, to hear you talk about that and summarize East Stanley Jones. Yeah, Paul is not dealing with karma. I think when people use that, I think they're just using it uh, non-technically. I think they mean it in the sense of what goes around comes around. Right, yeah. So uh, kind of a boomerang effect with things. 
and you kind of you get what you deserve in a sense like if you're if you're acting like a jerk you're going to be treated like a, a jerk uh yourself you know so um and i would say that that's kind of a good law in a, in a sense mm. like because it's a it's kind of like a natural way that we can be chastised um in the world now that's not the final story i think what you share with East Stanley Jones's exposition of that, I think that's uh, brilliant and uh, helpful to understand this because we, not to think of it too individualistically, but um, but yeah, but well, it's interesting here that Paul is definitely connecting this to having an attitude that mocks the Lord or or somehow puts our nose up to God, that God isn't, going to stand for that. And, and, yeah. um, you know, I think it's a good thing that he doesn't, because if we are indeed snubbing God, um, that's going to affect others. If others see us snubbing God, um, that's not, not, that's not good for them to see us do that. And, you know, to not bear any consequences of that. Um, but you know, we're getting, once you start getting, going down this route, you can, you can we could come up with plenty of counterexamples where people you know it seems like the evil people prosper right mm. in fact david yeah. was complaining about this yeah um yeah. yeah and i you know situations in my life where you know i'm i get frustrated because certain people are benefiting uh mm. from you know being in relationship with my children when they have no right mm. to be you know, that's a violation. They violated mm. uh, my family's integrity. They've been a part of that. And then they somehow get to benefit from that. So, yeah. you know, the Lord is the one who sees all that and will work all that out. I think some of it is stored up. Paul does talk about wrath being stored up later. You know, it's not our place to take this out on people. Um. Yeah, so it's interesting that Paul is using this here, and, and it kind of causes us to wonder why. Um, is he? Well, I, yeah. I think um, if it's a context where Paul is giving some sort of mini apology for he is worthy of his wage, right? The one who receives instruction in the word should share good things, their finances, their support with their instructor. And he's saying, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. Um, a man reaps what he sows. I think there may be a connection there between these two things that mm -hmm. um, whether they're going to support Paul financially or not, Paul is going to still reap what he sows. Um, and yeah. then if they are if they are willing to go against paul and not support him that is turning their nose up at god and they will reap what they've sown mhm mm yeah mhm mm i think he's yeah. putting them on blast here for for not maybe being willing to support him yeah um i think it's it's indirect but i think paul is masterful about being indirect. Um, in Philippians, he's asking for money, but you have to really read yeah. between the lines there. But he is. Look at the yeah. end. 
and he, he needs to be careful to not offend people like you've already given thank you but i still need something so how do you you know so here maybe he's uh, preemptively warning or trying to lay the groundwork that i i will still need something from you and i want you to participate in in what the lord is doing in and through me um yeah. but and i'm trying to lay out a foundation for you to move forward um and remember this is his earliest or next to earliest letter probably probably yeah 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 it's interesting to see how these ideas get developed uh already i'm thinking right. of second corinthians so paul in second corinthians 9 6 also quotes this proverb um except there he says he who sows sparingly sparingly also will reap and he who sows bountifully bountifully also bountifully will oh, wow, yeah. reap so this is in the context of him urging the corinthians to finish their uh collection promise to to give to the international relief fund that yeah. they've accused paul of stealing from <laughs> so he's yeah. kind of doing a defense and an advocacy to have them continue giving and this verse really comes from uh proverbs if you go to proverbs i think it's 20 uh what is it 20 god loves a cheerful giver where is that from oh proverbs 11 24 um and 22 9 there it is he was generous will be blessed for he would give some his food to the poor uh yeah verse 8 so proverbs 22 8 he who sows iniquity will reap vanity but anyway it seems to be like a, a merging of text and i think the septuagint version of that which i'm not seeing here in the the hebrew translation so paul this is in paul's uh repertoire that he pulls out again in second corinthians 9 6 and 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 there it's strongly chiastic as well um sparingly is put right in the middle it's a big adverb fedomenos 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 these big words are right in the middle so Sowing fedobinos sparingly, fedobimos uh, fedomenos uh, also will reap. So um, sowing and blessing, in blessing also will reap, and that's what we see here. Is um, there's a there's a chiasm, um, a b b a. Um, we're going to see that in the next verse, verse particularly, but also here. Um, yeah, so interesting to walk around this verse eight is yeah. interesting too when we get there so let's let's translate that because it's going to link to other themes in galatians of flesh versus spirit so yeah do you want to read eight and let's translate that sure odio spiron is ten sarkaeftu et te sarkos te recif thoran o de spiron is to pnevma all right. So verse eight is connected to verse seven by way of an OT, um, which here is, is indicating support content. It's a content marker, but that content marker can be support. 
so support by way of elaboration content. Now I want to, I'd like to write a paper or do research to differentiate different means of indicating support because you can use GAR as an independent proposition. OT as like a content marker, which, you know, sometimes it's translated as that or indicating content, but then sometimes it's, it's content marking in a way that supports. And that's what it's doing here. Um, it's in that regards, the difference between GAR and OT is that GAR is an independent sentence proposition, whereas OT is, is linking it as a subordinate clause. It's like it's more integrally connected to the first statement. That's my best sense of it so far. Now, it also gets complicated because there's another conjunction that is sometimes used, epi. So epsilon, p, iota, epsilon, iota, or vice versa, epi. So, you know, what differentiates these? And there's probably a couple other ones that can indicate this substantiation support. So verse 8 OT connects it closely, and um, here we have the chiasm clearly stated in two different ways. So the one, because the one sowing into the flesh, his own flesh, from his from the flesh will reap destruction. So Ooh. sowing into his own flesh, so AB, from his own flesh, from his from the flesh, B will reap, and then the the thing that's reaped is given at the end destruction. Moreover, but moreover, so here the de in the second part of verse eight, you have ode spiron, but the one sowing de marks new development, but it can be used in contexts where there's contrast, and so can be translated as but. It just depends. Uh, so here, but is warranted, but the one sowing, there's the A element, into the spirit, B element, from the spirit, B element repeated, will reap. So you have the reaping, sowing and reaping. And then the what they will reap, the direct object, is everlasting life. Zoane eonion. Yeah, Zoane Ionion. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, Zoane Ionion, that might throw you off because uh, uh, Onion looks like it has a masculine ending, On, Omicron Nu, but it's going with a feminine noun, uh, Ain, Zoane. But they actually are in gender agreement because Ionion um, is, uh, is an adjective that has two endings. It's called a dual termination adjective that, um, and, and, and these adjectives are typically formed, they're compound uh, forms. So when you have an adjective that's formed from two stems or roots, you, they will tend to have only two endings, a masculine, which is also a feminine ending, and then a separate neuter ending. And so Ionion here actually is feminine accusative singular in agreement with Zoane. And everlasting, I think mm. uh, I, I need to footnote you for translating it as everlasting as mm. opposed to eternal. A lot of times it's translated eternal life, but I mm. like the idea of everlasting 
life. And I think yeah. we discussed that while we were translating through John's gospel. Mm. Remember, that seems like, how long ago was that? A decade ago? <laughs> Ages. Yeah. Ages. <laughs> yeah. Long time ago. Uh, yeah, I still think that we're we're in this... Um, He's still speaking about a financial issue. I, I, I still tend to think he's either talking about personal financial support or the and or the support for the like what you call the International Relief Fund, you know, mm-hmm. to, to help the churches that were struggling. Yeah. Um, but I tend to think he's still six one all the way up to six eight, and I think he's gonna keep doing um down all the way to six ten. I think those 10 verses are going to be, in my opinion, talking financially. Uh, but um, yeah, it is fascinating to think about how in uh, eight that would apply, right? That the person who sows to please their flesh will reap destruction of the flesh. It sounds a lot like uh, well, the, from the, the, flesh. Uh, destruction from the, the flesh. It sounds like the fruit of the flesh. That's what I called it, right? They talked about in mm. in chapter five versus the fruit of the spirit, which he had talked about also in chapter five. So in chapter five, you have sarks and panevma sort of abutted. And then here, so you have a callback going on here in eight, back to what we had in chapter five. Um, but perhaps with a an eye toward like finances here, um yeah and i i wonder I so. Fred, if we, yeah. I, I wonder if the flesh isn't talking strictly about like fleshly desires you know sinful things like the 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 rotten fruit of the flesh but also he's still talking about the circumcision stuff so whoever is sowing into the circumcision movement they're going to end up reaping destruction but whoever's sowing into this like spiritual enterprise that that Paul has been spearheading, then they're going to reap everlasting life. Yeah, yep. So Paul yeah. is building up what he once tore down. He's building up yeah. the body of Christ. Um, when the right hand of fellowship was extended to him, he said, uh, uh, "The poor only that we would remember," which is the very mm-hmm. exact thing i was eager also to do so go back to yeah. 210 the yep. remembering the poor so uh, and this was paul's really pet project that symbolized yeah. the unity of the gentile non-jew non-judean church with the judean church and symbolized for him the reconciliation of the two and um this was why it was so offensive for him in 2 Corinthians to be cut out. It seemed like they wanted to pull away from that giving or they were withholding their approval of Paul. And uh, this idea yeah. of approval, uh, dokimabzo, dokimos being approved. At the end of 1 Corinthians, he said, um, when I take the collection, he says, like, be sure to set aside money when you... Yeah. When we take this to Jerusalem, send letters of recommendation, you know, if approved for approved people. So he says this at the end of First Corinthians chapter 15, says, to accompany me, 
Well, it seems like in 2 Corinthians, they've rejected and disapproved Paul. <laughs> so at the end of 2 Corinthians, he's like, well, it seems like I'm unapproved, but I hope you can see now that I'm approved. And I hope that you're, you're approved. I hope that you pass the test. And, and part of the passing of the test that he sets up for them is in um, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that they would continue in their promise to give to the collection. And so this yeah. idea of eagerness and giving uh, is really important for Paul. So from the very start of his ministry, it seems like this collection is integral to his identity and, and maybe like a relationship that he had that he's trying to fulfill with the Jerusalem church reported, reputed leaders, you know? So yeah. in his mind, this is a very important part of his ministry and linkage, maybe even some authenticity of, of integrity back to um, legitimacy uh, to connect to the Jerusalem church. So, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think you're right here at the end that he's linking it in two ways to teachers, helping them share burdens, especially teachers, but then to, you know, you reap what you sow generally. And maybe the negative association to flesh is, is pulling forward the fleshly kinds of thinking that he's been confronting. Yeah. We don't want to participate in that kind of fleshly stuff, but uh, more broadly. Yeah, it's very intriguing how we're seeing these themes come from earlier in Galatians, but then also that reverberate into particularly Second Corinthians, where the collection is such a big deal. Yeah. Let me say a word just for everybody watching or listening. I have Acts up on the uh, Acts 11. If you look at 26 to 28, um, particularly 27 and 28, and he's saying, During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 28, one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the mm -hmm. reign of Claudius. And so what Fred was just referring to, at least in my opinion, is that this mm -hmm. severe famine had hit and had spread and uh, it hit Jerusalem especially. And so like the mother church there, the Jewish church was really suffering. And so what Paul makes is sort of his pet project as a way to bridge Jewish and Gentile unity is to go throughout the, the Greco-Roman world. And he's taking up a collection at, from these churches, these Gentile churches, and sending it, at least part of it, back to the Jewish, predominantly Jewish-led congregations in Jerusalem as a way to sort of bridge uh, the gap and, and create unity between Jewish and Gentile Christians. And so you have that in Acts 11, 27, and 28. And then in Galatians 2, he's referencing that again. He said, after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, I took Titus, and he says, I went in response to a revelation, kata apokadupsin, meeting privately with those esteemed leaders. And I think uh, the revelation that he's referring to here is that one he's talking about from Agabus. It's mentioned in 11. And then Fred just mentioned this, um, uh, where if you keep reading, uh, 
in 2.7, he says he had been entrusted to preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, that is the Gentiles. And then, um, you know, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. And then in 2.10, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. I think the poor here in particular are those he was just meeting with in Jerusalem suffering at the hands of this famine. So when they say, remember the poor, they're saying, remember us in Jerusalem. And Paul's saying, I've been eager to do that all along. And so what he's doing is going out and raising money in these Gentile churches to send back to the church in Jerusalem. And um, that's why in a lot of these cases, especially like Galatians 6 and 2 Corinthians, what Fred keeps talking about, you do have mention of money. And I think um, part of the, the thing here is that if Paul's carrying all this money around, well, people are automatically suspicious of him mm-hmm. because he also has to somehow live, you know, and yeah. survive. Yeah. And so he's got all this money carrying around. People are suspicious of him. Now they're wanting letters of recommendation. Now you're thinking that maybe he's stealing from the pot and he's saying, well, no, you should share all good things with your instructor. And when you do that, you'll reap what you sow like um you'll you'll either you know be against me uh, or for me but you're going to reap what you sow and i think in the next two verses six nine and ten they'll even have a little bit more to say about that in my own mind fred that's like how i'm reconstructing the scenario i don't know if you drive with that but that's totally totally in fact i have even more of to add to that. And it came by way of my response to Jim Wilson. He gave a paper at the Biblical Studies Mm. Gathering, and I wrote a response to his paper that I was able to just find right now. It just kind of blows me away because I think it's, uh, I'll try to explain that to you. you. I think I could do it shortly. The, um, this, if, if you want to see this issue of giving to Paul and the money, look what he says in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, 7. He says, or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? You Corinthians might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge. I robbed other churches by taking wages in order to serve you. Uh, And when I was present with you and was in need, I was not a burden to you, uh, to anyone. For when the brethren came from Macedonia, they Fulfill, fully supplied my need, and in everything I kept myself from being a burden. Um, there's the word baros again, abares. Mm. I, I kept myself from being a burden to you, and I will continue to do so. So this is how complex it is, because Paul is doing ministry. He doesn't accept money from people directly to minister to them. As a principle, he doesn't like to do that because he would look like a traveling sophist trying to get money from people. Right. So, But he, what he does do is accept money from others as he's ministering to others. While all this is going on, he has these needs. He's also raising money <laughs> for the poor. So he's trying to keep all this separate, and it's not, not always easy to do so. Right. Now, as he's arguing in 2 Corinthians 9, that passage we were looking at earlier, he is alluding to pretty strongly um, Deuteronomy 15. Um, God likes a cheerful giver. 
uh, we're to give not grudgingly or under compulsion. So Deuteronomy 15. So Jim Wilson argued that Paul, that there was this uh, tithing cycle in Deuteronomy in, in the Old Testament. So he looks at this tithe cycle and, and what happens is that there's a year where, um, where people uh, aren't to sow. Um, they're supposed to, it's like a year where you're particularly supposed to be mindful of the poor and gather money for the poor because there's not active sowing going on. So there was something called a Sabbath year where the, they're supposed to let the land lay fallow, right? And not sow. Well, that's particularly when the poor are particularly vulnerable. Um, scholars have rightly understood that Paul's timing to give the collection to the saints aligned with the Sabbath year in AD 55, 56, autumn to autumn. So Paul was timing the giving of this collection at, I think it was Pentecost, where there would normally be a first fruits celebration. So, mm. and it was particularly needful because there's a famine going on, there's persecution of churches going on, and it's a Sabbath year where there's not as much food uh, and the poor are, are more needy. So there's, I think there's mm. a background here that we need to reconstruct as well of the acuteness of this need and Paul was trying to get there for Pentecost, he says, so he could deliver this gift. Um, mm. So there's there's something going on in Paul's thinking that um, I think we can reasonably reconstruct uh, to the circumstance. Yeah. So I, I found nice. that very fascinating. So, yeah. 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 Well, uh, we'll keep talking about this. We've got a couple more verses, at least for... Uh, this next section of Galatians, but um, I think probably 6, 1, and 10 creates or forms something of a, a section of its own. But yeah, so pretty fascinating stuff. Um, and de definitely brings up um, issues of handling money in the church, right? Um, so this is yeah. why I've made it a practice since I've been in ministry for 20 plus years, but especially when I'm a pastor, um, I stay as far away from the money as I can, man. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm never, never have access to money, never touch money. Don't know who gives, don't know who gives what amounts, don't know when people, you know, are giving and, and, uh, that money has just such a, a way of being able to, to skew things and to corrupt things. And so pastors have to be very, very careful and incredibly wise with regard to money. Stay away from it. You know, don't ever have, don't ever have anything to do with it. Don't be uh, looking, don't be uh, counting money ever. Don't be taking money uh, to the bank. Don't be doing any of that. Right. Like just, got to be incredibly wise and um you know have good people in place when handling the money so yeah yeah that's good yeah i know a guy who was a major contributor to the church like major and and because of that he wasn't he didn't want to even be on the board of the church 
because it would might appear that he might be entangled in how that money is being spent and he didn't even want to you know so i know that mm. that you know the integrity of that um so yeah this issue of money and generosity as uh, in an enneagram five i struggle <laughs> i struggle with the, with the mm. being generous you know in in certain ways um but yeah giving and reaping what you sow um well, I have a parting shot from Leo, Leo Tolstoy. Um, the sole okay. meaning of life is to serve humanity. So I think, I think mm. we want to do good. I think we like that. I think people like to do good. Um, they, I think they just need a little bit of help to do that. And, and uh, we mm. in the church should, you know, just encourage that, you know, to do good to all people. That's what Paul's going to say next time. But, you know, how are we sowing? What are, what are we sowing and how are we sowing? We are sowing. It's just a matter of how. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Michael, for uh, all your hard work and um, yeah. helping us stay on track with these podcasts and um, YouTube video cast. Is it called video cast as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I was just looking. Yeah, I was trying sure. to figure out how many podcasts we have. It's over seven hundred now in yep. in our yep. project series. I was I, I copied and pasted all of the episodes down. It would be nice if there could be a nice centralized place to that people could find these and then search within a page yeah. and maybe have them grouped by the right type. That'd be pretty awesome. I don't know if there's a way that we can do that. <laughs> I'm not um, asking you to you do it. To, I know you get a lot of. Well, you can go to definitely go to glossahouse.com and click the the podcast link. But when you go there and click listen now, it's basically just going to take you to Spotify. Uh, yes. And when you're on Spotify, you can do a little bit of searching you... through the podcast, but not a lot. So, yeah, I didn't see um, that. I found another place that had a listing of our podcasts, and I was able yeah. to just wait for it to load all 700 of them, and then I selected all of them. So at least I have the title mm-hmm. title of them and to one Word document. But, you know, I think right. it could facilitate people listening through ones that are appropriate you know grammatically now, or on you know, youtube on youtube they are seg- segmented into playlists so these ah, okay. these proof text episodes are a playlist the what's in the name are a playlist ah. ones that mario melendez does like they're okay. all on our youtube page youtube.com slash house they are in playlists on there okay that's good to yeah. know yeah and that maybe that's that's yeah. all that's needed yeah great yeah so well, thanks everybody and we hope that you're benefiting from these and enjoy them as much as we do creating them enjoy listening watching if you have any suggestions yeah. questions let us know appreciate your feedback and uh, we hope to have you watch and listen to us next time take care take care michael take care bear take care everybody take care. interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start glow's house can help From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, 
Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.